That's how dark it is in here right now without the night shot on. Are you on the other side? Devil! You just said, do you think you need help? And it says devil. Someone touched me before. Who's up there? I honestly don't feel safe. All right. Give me a chance. Sorry. Pounding noises, weird noises. We just experienced that. In the name of Jesus Christ, give me a sign of your presence. Welcome to episode 75 of the Horror Dads podcast. You are joined by your host, John and Jamie. And today we interview Tony Cadwell, uh, director, producer, filmmaker, who has a new film coming out October 11th, which is this coming Tuesday. And uh, this this film, Haunted Connecticut, is it's a really good one. And he was kind enough to give us a, a peek behind the curtain. We got to see it early, you know? Yeah. If you remember Tony from... About maybe a year ago, we had him on the show for uh, the movie that he made. It was called Balsam. A paranormal, um, invest- paranormal investigation. Yeah. It starred Kane Hodder, and Tony was primarily behind the camera on that one, uh, while Kane was in the, in the forefront. Um, on this one, Tony is joined by a paranormal investigator uh, named Eric, who's on a show called Ghost Loops. Ghost Loop. Yeah, Ghost Loop. From the Travel Channel, right? Yep. And uh, this one, Tony is in front of the camera with Eric. Uh, so he kind of stars in his own film and it's, it's amazing. It was really good. Really yeah. well done. Eric Vitale, uh, Vitale and, um, both Eric and Tony did a great job. So movie's a ton of fun. Uh, it's, it's got some spookiness to it. And, um, you know, we talk about this when we interview Tony, but he really has kind of created this, this little sub niche of, uh, the, the paranormal live action sort of ghost hunting adventures, but not doctoring or spicing or creating something out of nothing kind of thing like he goes to multiple locations multiple places he says a lot of places he goes he experiences nothing um he's just got all this b-reel from these these walks and whatnot but he uh is really nestled into this little niche where he you know he only really publishes stuff if it's got a a a fun and exciting outcome kind of like this one so uh, we feel like you guys are going to dig Haunted Connecticut. comes out again October 11th, 2022, and it's going to be available on all the uh, video on demand uh, locations, and we'll make sure we um, you know, share where you can find that when it's out on Tuesday. But before we get into our interview with Tony, let's catch up for a minute, Jamie. Yeah, let's do it. What have you been watching, man? Uh, so I watched this movie called Alive. Okay. I don't remember the year. I'll dig this up for you. 
Uh, so it was on Amazon Prime, I believe. I watch. I've been watching actually a ton of shit, by the way. Uh, so far, because man. it's just like once you get to like September, right? It's just like, but October especially is like it has to be. Don't fall behind. And I've been yeah. doing the thing. So typically, I rewatch all the favorites constantly. This year, and I think I did this last year. I've been really trying to watch shit that I haven't seen. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of shitty stuff. You know how that works? Yeah. No, uh, because when you've seen so much stuff as we have, and our listeners, I'm sure, can relate to this, if you're looking for something you haven't seen, you've probably seen all the good stuff. There's a reason you haven't yeah, seen it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I watched this movie called Alive from 2018. It's on Showtime. Okay. And uh, I have that through the Amazon app. Uh, but, anyways, it's about these people, a couple. They're not a couple, they just happen to be a man and a woman who wake up in this strange fucking, like, they don't know where they're at. It looks like they're in a morgue or something. Uh, and there's this man who's, like, taking care of them. I do that in air quotes because oh, he's God. not taking very good care. Uh, but from there, this story kind of comes along. They're trying to, they have no memory. They can't figure out why they're, uh, like, strapped to this like hot these hospital beds and uh this guy's got him hooked up to ivs and you this know they're, 2018 they're stitched up yeah yeah okay. uh, and at one point he the guy like says he's in pain or he's wincing or something and the caretaker guy says it's okay if you feel pain because pain means you're alive yeah okay uh, so with that what have you been watching <laughs> uh so i checked out the 20 20- 2020 uh, film Monstrous, uh, not the 2022 Christina Ricci film, but the 2020 uh, indie film. Well, this was our Never Seen It, right? Yep. It was yeah. our Never Seen It uh, edition for Patreon for the month of October. So uh, if you want our full thoughts on it, join Patreon, check it out. But I will say uh, this was a pretty low budget indie film and it took uh, uh, a concept in the form of Sasquatch and... You know, when you think of Sasquatch, you're like, okay, I'm thinking of fucking the the magazines that you buy at the checkout counter, right? And uh, the one that also says, like, Elvis is still alive and li- yeah. lives with an alligator woman, right? Uh, you're like, okay, how, how hokey is that going to be? But this movie was pretty good. Um, so we'll give our, our full thoughts on it uh, on Patreon. But I checked that out. And, um, dude, I have been just... Wait, Hocus Pocus 2? I not yet. I haven't seen huh? it yet. No, I was All traveling right. last week when it came out. Okay, and when yeah. I came home, my kids already watched it with my wife. So. I watched it, but I'll reserve my thoughts for. I mean, I don't really have any thoughts except that I liked it. Thought yeah. it was good for the kids. But go ahead. Yeah, I've not not checked out Hocus Pocus two yet, but uh, I've been doing like shitload of um, fires outside, and yeah. I think I got inspired after I saw Travis Davis's <laughs> Instagram story where he was like had the most perfect fall day. So uh, at night, I've been like moving a TV out on the back porch doing fires and dude i like i watched uh halloween one two and three uh this week and been watching a lot of football too yeah you know but um just making sure i'm doing the doing that the right way so cool a couple more i wanted to mention real quick i forgot um i always forget what i watched uh i watched this movie called raven's hollow from 2022 on shutter okay uh Edgar Allan Poe, it's about, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know really the correlation between that and his real life and whatever. Uh, that The vibe is amazing. It's almost Sleepy Hollow-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story was a little bit, I don't know, 
convoluted. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, I watched another one. Dude, this movie called, from 2002 called May. Oh, so Ugh. what prompted you to watch that? I, I just was browsing, carousing, carousing the, uh, or peru- I don't know the fucking word here. Car- I, was I was just, per- uh, I was perusing the, I was arousing the streaming through, sites. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this one looked interesting. It's one of those where when you're done, you're like, ugh, shouldn't have watched that. So, yeah, I totally have seen fucked May. Up. I, I, I saw May in high school for the first oh, time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly fucked up. But um, I was just watching a movie in preparation for our episode we're doing next week, which I won't mention, uh, but it takes yeah. place in a trailer park, Jamie. Uh, uh-uh. So the woman that plays May, I think, is the same woman that is the primary, uh, like, zombie woman the in. the attract like the girl mm-hmm. yeah hmm. i think so. so um all right so the last movie i wanted to mention because this one i feel like it has gotten a lot of like love hate and it's because it's based on a book that i think you read or listened to uh which is my best friend's exorcism oh yeah yeah uh Grady so Hendrix. anyone who it seems like anyone who read the book hates the movie which generally I, I did. I did watch this movie, by the way. Um, go ahead. So, yeah, I'm interested to hear your perspective. I dug it. My wife and I watched it, and it's really fun. I, I thought um, it was just like the book, and I like the book. So, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I thought it was fine. So, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, it's like the music and the time frame and just all of that is fucking great. Oh, so. I also watched uh, Terrifier and oh, All yeah. Hallows Eve for the first time. I yeah, you had I'd, never seen. Yeah, no, never had seen. Terrifier. Well, the, these are movies that are not up your alley at all because you don't like the mean shit. You don't like the yeah. yeah. So what? what I are also your don't like how you can't hear the clown. Like, why is he so quiet? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen. He's those. like a mime. Anyway, he doesn't talk, right? No, but he doesn't make any sound. Yeah, like at all. Um, but either way. I, I, I watched those. We're going to be on our buddy uh, Michael's podcast, Michael Siri with We Love Horror Podcast. We're going to talk about Terrifier in detail uh, toward the end of the month. Uh, so I'll reserve my full comments on it, but um, not not really my thing. So after watching this, are you excited about Terrifier 2, which came out today? Nope. No interest? <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it. Um, uh, uh, like, will you watch it if like someone puts it on? or like will you, I'll wait for it to like come it on hits- USA. Why when not? it hits a streaming site, are you going to be like, oh, shit, Terrifier 2? No. No. Nope. I'll be honest. I won't either. And 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 I, we're not hating on it. No. And there's a sect of the horror community that fucking loves this movie. Yeah. Loves it. It's just not our thing. And I'm he, not into the meme. He does a great job. Like, um, his name's escaping me. Uh, Art. Yeah, the guy that plays Art. Like, he does a great job at like exhibiting that character yeah. and, and like the body acting associated with that, that performance. David Howard Thornton, by the way, David Howard Thornton. There we are. All right. Have you been buying anything? Uh, honestly, I, it's my son's birthday this weekend. So all of our spare money has been going to him. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, well tonight we're going to buy tickets for Halloween ends. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you and I, so we have this like family dynamic where Jamie and I have a, a movie theater that's like really close to our it's like halfway <sighs> between your house and my house. it's yeah. honestly the perfect meeting it's place it's a meeting spot yeah. it's exactly halfway our wives hate that theater and they want to drive like a zillion miles away to this other one which is like better but just marginally so the difference is the theater that we are talking about going to you and i it's like going into a, a like a hospital 
to watch a movie, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's like there's like meeting rooms on the left when you go in. It's like, what the fuck is this? Oh, uh, sir, the, do you have your bat your uh your your badge? <laughs> yeah, it's really bizarre. Yeah. It's like I'm going to the lab. <laughs> Uh, but then the one they want to go to is that you walk in and there's, uh, like the carpet is like popcorn carpet and there's an arcade and like, I get it, but we're going right through the lobby. We're going in. The seats are the goddamn same and you can get a beer at both places. So anyway, uh, we're going to pull the trigger on whether we're going to our theater alone, (laughs) just you and I are, uh, settling and going to the bigger theater with the girls. So excited for that. But uh, what are you wearing, man? You got your... Oh, dude, I am fucking trick-or-treated out right now. Yeah. I have the cavity colors, uh, tie-dye. It's pretty much just Sam. The trick-or-treat tee, it's got the... um, It's like half and half Sam, half mask, half not. Yep. Um, I dig this one, and then I was rocking the uh, trick-or-treat hoodie, too, from his trick-or-treat collection. Yeah, I'm all trick-or-treated up. Tis the season, John. I wore my trick-or-treat elbow pads and trick-or-treat helmet, too. I rode my skateboard over here. Yeah. <laughs> my e-bike. Yeah. I have my Halloween 1978 Matt Pepler shirt on. Yeah. Uh, it says class of 1978. Mm-hmm. And I also have my Everyday is Halloween Cavity Colors hoodie on. The uh, skeleton. That's from a couple years ago. Yeah, dude. I love this hoodie. I want the new collection. I know. So good. Yeah. So uh, family stuff. I have a pretty funny family story. Okay. <laughs> um. So we have a very special and exciting Goosebumps oriented episode upcoming um, beginning in November. So uh, if, you, uh, if you're a regular listener of the show, please consider uh, watching some Goosebumps because it's going to make a lot more sense when we do that, um, do that interview. But uh, I've been watching through the, the show from the 90s and my kids have been watching through it with me as well. Dude, so good. I love it. So the, the pulse, the vibe, like yeah. absolutely love all of it, right? So I think it's like the second episode is about that sponge that like it came from under the sink, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's basically like this alien sponge that has its own mind. And I was eating dinner with the kids. And typically we don't do this, but like I had the TV on. So there we're watching Goosebumps while we're eating dinner. I'm cleaning up and I went to like change out the laundry. I think Brittany was working. Uh, so it's just me and the kids. And I left and they were at the kitchen table and i came back and they were both like standing like two inches away from the television and we use those um sponges they're called scrubby daddies like a little smiley face yeah so this this episode about this killer sponge is on and i finley my oldest (laughs) i walk in she's like an inch away from the tv and she's holding the scrubby daddy like examining it with scrutiny like wondering how a sponge could get a brain and i walk in i was like what are you doing she's like i just was Checking to see if like our sponge could do that. And I was like, it can't, Mm. (laughs) but it was pretty funny. It's kind of scary. Yeah. She's eight years old. So I love her. Uh, What about you, man? So Rylan's birthday, your oldest is going to be nine on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've just been like just in the Halloween mode, uh, watching stuff. And, you know, we watched Hocus Pocus as a family part two. Uh, my youngest, he is, uh, he's the one that's always been into the Michael Myers. Uh, and I say always been, he's four years old. <laughs> Michael Myers. Yeah. He turns five next month, but he was in my office the other day and, uh, I went to put on Beetlejuice cause that's like a, you know, we put that on friendly. tonight for Luna. He's yeah. also four. Yeah. So I'm, I was like, he sees the cover and he's like, no, not this, not Beetlejuice. And I was like, yeah, well 
uh, fine, then I'm just going to put on Michael Myers. And uh, he called my bluff and he was like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so then I like laughed it off and uh, he was like, wait, no, where's Michael where's Myers? Michael Myers. So I put on part four. Yeah. And I had already been watching part four. I was like, I'll just put it on where he insisted. I start this fucking movie over asking me just every, you cannot watch a movie with a four year old. Uh, who's that guy? You know, like when, when they go into the asylum, dude, who's this guy? Where's Michael? Questions in general. So yeah, he had me shut it off. Uh, only because there wasn't enough Michael Myers, but he loves Dr. Loomis. He's obsessed with Loomis for some fucking reason. Um, Kate texted me and told me that she, that he, your wife is my sister, texted me and said, Riker just told me he wished Loomis was his dad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Says a lot about me. So, yeah. Um, he is, yeah, no, he's funny. We, he made Katie put on um, Halloween 2 for him. Yeah. And luckily the Blu-ray that I have has the TV version. So everything is, yeah, yeah, it's much, no, I wouldn't say PG, but, uh, PG four, right? Yeah. Um, but no, we like, he bought a mask. She bought him a mask at a Walgreens. She said she was shopping and he, like, she turned around, he was wearing this fucking creepy clown mask. So she bought it for him. So we've just been all scaring each other, you know, like I'll pop around a corner wearing a mask. They'll do the same. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we all love the season in our family. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, a couple uh, quick plugs. We do have a Patreon if you're interested in some additional bonus content. We have a $5 tier and a $10 tier. So please, if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing uh, for some additional stuff. We have bonus episodes that we do every month. We have um, watch-through episodes we do every month. We have never-seen-it segments, like we'd mentioned before, where we check out a movie we've not seen. And we have horror moms. We get the uh, wives on every now and then. Yep. So uh, please head over to patreon.com check us out at horror dads there uh check us out on social media pretty much everywhere at horror dads however instagram is really our primary channel and if you would like to get some horror dads merch now is the time head over to horrordads.com. we've got raglans for the fall time we've got tank tops if you live in a climate like uh, texas or florida and we have regular t-shirts as well so koozies for your pumpkin ciders koozies for your pumpkin ciders Mm -hmm. So please consider picking up some merch. And last but not least, if you wouldn't mind, if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on uh, any of our uh, our platforms. But uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the primary places we get most listens. So that would help us out a ton. But that being said, I think we got to get to get to Connecticut, don't you think, Jamie? Mm. Tony's waiting for us. I heard there's a haunting there. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Good night. Uh, Happy October, everybody. We love you. Let's take care. Welcome to episode 75 of the Horror Dads podcast. Today, we are going to talk about a movie called Haunted Connecticut, and we have the director and filmmaker uh, who made this delightful film, Tony Cadwell. Uh, What is up, Tony? And it's an honor and a privilege to be back here with you guys on Hard Dads. Love the podcast. Love the stuff yeah, I see you guys posting on Instagram. You know, it's just great to be sitting around with fellow horror fans talking about horror. Yeah, yeah. man. Well, uh, yeah, welcome back. So we're, I guess we're reintroducing Tony. Uh, Tony joined us probably around this time last year. I think it was toward the end of 
2021, I guess. Um, so Tony had released a film called Balsam, a paranormal investigation, uh, which Kane Hodder starred in and Tony directed. He also has another film called behind the sightings. So, uh, Tony's a fellow horror fan and Tony, you've really kind of carved a pretty unique niche into the marketplace here where you, um, do like the real kind of like upfront, honest sort of paranormal investigation live thing, not the, uh, not the fake stuff that you see that's that's overproduced. You kind of do the, the 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 I guess the honest depiction of what you're capturing. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of it's it's kind of been a unique experience because as a horror fan, I like you know some of these scary paranormal movies. You know, especially in the found footage, like Grave Encounters, and then you know possession oh, yeah. movies. Um, but then when I started watching like ghost hunting on TV it's overproduced there's people reacting to everything and it just didn't seem genuine so i decided to just go out and i was like as a horror fan i was like i ain't nothing gonna bother me you know whatever Uh, this stuff ain't ain't real i don't even you know i didn't even know what i was gonna get and i spent about three nights at the clown motel in vegas and then I found Balsam, and we took Kane Hodder, who's a prolific ghost hunter, uh, with us. And then I saw how much fun Kane had. I was like, well, I want to do something myself. And that's how it came about Haunted Connecticut. Yeah, man. And so you, you mentioned a couple different locations, but if it's cool, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Connecticut before we get into the film. I've, I've got some research in front of me here. Okay, so I hit up a a few websites doing some research prior to this this episode, and um, I can't remember where I read the quote, but there was a quote somewhere that said like Gettysburg being one of the more haunted places, uh, supposedly in the United States. Uh, people from Gettysburg, I guess, always say like, "Yeah, Gettysburg's pretty haunted, but it's nothing in comparison to Connecticut." Um, so Connecticut, I guess, has a real reputation for being a very haunted and supernatural place. So I kind of wanted to see why that was. And doing some research, I found this article on um, CT Insider. Uh, the, a guy named Andrew DeRosa published this. And uh, he had written this article about how um, one of the you know first major instances of strife, I guess, in the state uh, was the, the Pocote War, which was fought between the Pocote tribe and early colonists like as far back as 1636. So there was like a, a two-year war that happened, and I guess there was this like huge massacre called the Mystic Massacre that happened, and there were like 600 tribe members that were killed, uh, and many sold into slavery. So um, stuff like that, you know, uh, kind of laid the groundwork, and then huge, huge uh, part of the Revolutionary War, uh, many battles in that state, um, and I think the two that were largest that were also mentioned in that same CT Insider article were... Uh, Groton and Ridgefield, which were two large uh, battles that happened uh, that led to a, a ton of casualties. And um, third being uh, the witch trials that happened in Connecticut. I guess oh. everyone thinks of Salem, you know, Massachusetts as being uh, the crux for, for the witch trials. But I guess the Connecticut witch trials tried over, I think it was 57 individuals that the article quoted. Um handful of convictions 
And I guess, so the story goes, the treatment and response to convicted uh, witches in Connecticut was much more severe uh, than that of, of Salem. So I found all that pretty interesting. Yeah, makes sense why the state is so haunted. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, you know, they, they are from Connecticut. And the Annabelle doll, which was the real reason I was going up to Connecticut to begin with, you know, lives in Connecticut. Um, Where is that? The Annabelle doll is in the Warren Occult Museum, but they show it once a year. Like last year, we went up there for, it's called Warren's uh, Super, uh, Warren's Paracon, Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon. And they actually have the Annabelle doll on display. They're going to do it again this year in October, just in a couple of weeks. Cool. Yeah, man. So I was looking at like all these locations because so in in your film, you guys hit what? Two locations? We hit two locations. And that's been the challenge when you do a real paranormal movie. I mean, finding a creepy location and running around in the dark and faking some stuff. That's easy. But to find a spot that, one, the owner will let you into, and two, that it's actively haunted, and three, for me, it's got to look cinematic or entertaining or people are not going to want to watch it on film, It's it, it kind of narrows the spot. A lot of Connecticut's haunted properties are owned by the state of Connecticut, and they won't let you in. Yeah, so speaking of that... Uh- I found this other article on CT Post, and they were just reviewing all the different um, notorious locations that were were haunted within the state. Uh, so to name off a few, and many of which sound like they would be under government, uh, you know, state or local legislation's ownership. Um, the Ansonia Opera House, the Booth Memorial Park, Captain Daniel Packer Inn, Charles Island, Connecticut Valley Hospital, Curtis House Restaurant in Devil's Hopyard State Park, uh, Evergreen Cemetery, Fairfield Hills State Hospital, Great Hill Cemetery, Guntown Cemetery. So all of these, the majority of those places are um, places that you probably would not be able to easily get uh, uh, the green light to, to film in for this kind of purpose. Yeah, and I'm I'm torn about whether or not cemeteries are actively haunted and why they're actively haunted, that's one of the things that's intrigued me. So I've been to several of the cemeteries that are up there and they're spooky, but they are very strict at arresting you if you're there after dark. And, you know, I was, I've never been to Connecticut before until I filmed this and I did not want to uh, get arrested while I was up there. Stay there for an extended period of time, having three meals a day, all of which are mashed potatoes. Correct. I can't imagine but, the amount of uh, ghost hunters they get up there aspiring yeah. for greatness, right? Like uh, sneaking into these places and trying to film. So I, I can understand the uh, crackdown. Yeah. Yeah. W- we were fortunate to get into Captain Grant's, the supposedly Connecticut's most haunted uh, inn. And I just called her and said, hey, I'm from North Carolina and I'm looking you heard y'all guys got ghosts and would love to come up there and film and see if i can get some proof of it and she rented out the whole end to me and we had it all to just four people in the place because that's the other thing if you go to a place and there's 
you can't control how many people are in the facility, then you don't know if you're getting actual paranormal evidence or you're getting somebody else's bumping against the wall or watching TV or making noise. Yeah. Some asshole upstairs in his slippers just like stomping around. Jamie up there drinking a white claw like, oh, I didn't realize you guys were going to be here tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, What's that howling? That's just Jamie. Six white claws deep. <laughs> Watching the Steelers play. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the two locations that you guys uh, selected for this film. So um seems like there were some um, constraints within within you know, where you could go and where you could be. But um, I guess what led you to these, uh, what are the locations, if you wouldn't mind telling us? And uh, uh, what? Yeah, go ahead. One is, one is uh, Captain Grant is supposedly Connecticut's most haunted place. And when you're scouting locations, everybody has a story. Um, I'm not discounting anyone's story, but I always go in their open mind because it's like, how do you know that, you know, the story of Captain Grant's is that, Captain Grant built it for his wife. He died at sea and his wife and kids still haunt it. But Connecticut's so old. That village is so old. There's graveyards there. I called probably 20 places and I filmed at probably six or seven. And that was the most realistic, authentic evidence that I could capture on film. If I, the way I do it is, I'll go to as many places that will let me in. If I don't capture evidence, I don't include it in the, in the, in the, in the project. Yeah. I was going to ask if you guys hit more spots, but uh, some just weren't fruitful. So you just left them out. Yeah. Cause it's a financial incentive for people to say their houses or facilities are haunted because yeah. they charge people to come. But a lot of those places that say they're haunted, haunted are just doing it for financial reasons, and it's not authentic. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your co-host in this venture? Yeah, or your co-star, uh, I should Vitale. say? Yeah, Eric Vitale. He was on a Discovery Channel show called Ghost Loop. He's another horror fan, a huge Friday the 13th fan. And I just reached out to him, just like you see on the film, and was like, hey, Eric, I'm coming up there. I want to film this thing. Are you down? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, he seems like the real deal. He seems to be like a seasoned veteran uh, as it comes to this. And and so l- let me just pause and say, um, and we're not saying this because you're you're on the show, but uh, this movie is like, it's slick as hell. And this and Balsam both, like it's very well filmed. It's very well edited. Um, you've got a really, really good talent when it comes to filmmaking. And it looks great, man. And the the sequences, the cutscenes, the intros, the yeah, the transitions, um, yeah, the transitions. Yeah. Like, we were watching this, and Jamie was like, "This legit, like, this could be on like the History Channel as like a like a, a as you know, what I mean, like a big, big, big production, a uh, lot of lot of dollars, kind of thing." Yeah. So this Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a great job, man, and like you're doing a really good thing. Um, but the reason I bring that up, so. I would say, I don't want to speak for you, I would say that you're a filmmaker first and a horror fan first, and second, you are newer to the the paranormal thing, right? So, like, this is kind of a newer thing to your life, so it was probably pretty cool to get a, a seasoned veteran to be able to, to work with on something like this. 
Yeah, the typical, because I don't call myself a paranormal investigator. I'm just, like you said, a filmmaker trying to have a creepy experience and capture it on camera and document if the paranormal thing is real. Because let's be honest, nobody knows what is on the other side when you pass away. I mean, different religions, different belief systems have different things. We only know what we've been told. And once we experience that, you know... It is what it is. So I honestly approach it with an open mind of like, I don't know what's here. You know, I, I'm I'm not recording for a YouTube video, so I don't have to meet YouTube al- algorithms. I don't work for a studio. I work for myself. So my, my pro- project can be what I want it to be, not what some producer tells me they need for 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 them. Um, that being said, I, I would never investigate someone's house to help them i just go in and document it and what's challenging with that is people that are paranormal investigators like eric and and the film you know they they see this all the some of this all the time and it's a very dangerous thing especially when you have a belief system that you know, you might be attacked by something that's demonic, something that's otherworldly. So Eric, you know, he likes to protect himself with holy water and religious medallions. And I'm just like, hey, I'm trying to make a movie. If the ghosts come in here and push me over, you know, just be sure we film it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hide the medallions. <laughs> so I'm like, that's super interesting, man. So like you're, did you feel any vulnerability as you, as it's like probably like going out to play paintball for the first time. And you're like, all right, I brought my paintball gun. And you look over and you're like, wait, why is this person putting on so much armor? Am I going to get hurt? Uh, did it feel like that? Like your preparations being different where you're like, oh, shit, I'm like uh, flapping in the wind here. Eric's wearing a football helmet and here I am like <laughs> nothing on. Yeah. yeah, he looks at it like spiritual warfare. You know, some people like um, uh, some of the investigators I went with in Boston, they had crystals with them and things like that. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I researched this before because I thought, you know, I was like, how do you, how does the equipment work? And I studied everything. And it's not like you take ghost hunting equipment to every location and it talks. Sure. So there's some places I've been with that ovulus that you see in the movie and it never says a word at a location for six or eight hours. And then all of a sudden you go to some place like Captain Grant and it says the devil. So I mean, it's like, really? So can we do a a quick recap on that? So the last time we had you on, uh, you you did cover this, but uh, let's do it again for, for those that might be uh, joining later in our episodes. So um, can you just review the kind of like equipment and, uh, technology and electronics that we, that you use for these kinds of endeavors? And, um, there's a lot of ghost hunting equipment out there. And what I tried to do was stick with the more credible stuff that you see on a lot of the, the well-established TV shows like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, things like that. Um, I use the Ovulus by Bill Chappell. It's a device that has 2,080 words, I think it is, programmed into it. And each word has a different energy frequency emf frequency attached to it so the theory is is the spirit can pick a word 
by activating a certain level of electromagnetic frequency. And then we use the SLS camera, which is supposed to be able to pick up these stick figures that can't be seen with the naked eye that could be a spirit. And what I try to do because, and I also use the spirit box, which is radio sweeping the radio waves. We do it backwards so that the chances of picking up a radio station saying something is, is very small. Um, and I try to overlap equipment, you know, and because if you have the SLS camera doing one thing and then the spirit box is doing one thing and they're coinciding and saying the same thing, you know, giving you the same evidence, then there's more than likely something going on there. Yeah. Yeah. When you have, um, three or four different things all picking up something at the same time, it's hard to argue with, you know? Yeah, because the second location, and I didn't cover how we got into that, was the the R.W. Blake House. And the owner of that place it's, operates as a funeral home to this day, but it was also the site of a murder. Um, and they were just like, hey, just don't give our exact location away. You can come in here and you see all the ghosts you want. And I was kind of kind of shocked that that they would let us in like that. But that was an amazing experience. Yeah. Oh, so that location is sort of hidden. Yeah, they don't, um, it's a functioning funeral home, so they don't allow people. And the only reason we chose it was not because it was a funeral home. It was because the history before it was a funeral home were, it had ties to the Titanic. It had ties to, um, the owner RW Blake dying. He supposedly the story as the story goes, and this isn't like the, as the story goes hearsay. This was stuff I was able to find in newspaper articles and I show in the film. Is you know he was shot playing with a pistol is what they claimed. It was an accident. Some people say it was a suicide. Some people say it was a murder. His wife was very young, and she got millions of dollars when when he passed away. So Uh-oh. there was a financial incentive for him to pass away. Yeah. Whoa. It's like my wife. She'll get hundreds of dollars if I go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Tony, like what, with such deep and rich history in places like this, what level of research had to, had to go into this? And was that all you, um, you know, doing that? Yeah, I have a lot of, you have a, when you go out for these, you have a lot of people to tell you the stories that are associated with it. And my background is I spent 10 years in the Marine Corps as an intelligence analyst. Um, So I try to break it down from a logical perspective. So-and-so said this, but if this really happened, there should be a newspaper article about it, or there should be, you know, a grave where I could find that this person actually lived and when they died and things like that. You, a lot of this stuff you can you can trace back and then you go in there and you keep that in mind so when it does say something relative on the on, on there you know where which way to go and I, I do a lot of the research myself just because I'm a doubt in Thomas when it comes to this kind of thing and I always think you know maybe it's not Maybe somebody's making up a story to make their site famous, maybe because there is that financial incentive. Yeah. 
I think that's why, uh, I don't know about John, but myself, I've always been skeptical of the ghost hunting aspect of things, uh, simply because of like we talked about, you know, you have the, <clears throat> I said this to John earlier, you get like these guys, it's like the Guy Fieri of ghost hunting. You get these guys, you know, uh, that just seems like they're trying to be more of a personality than uh, somebody actually looking for, uh, you know, ghost activity and they're just looking for fame. And, um, I like your perspective because it's, it's not like we're coming at you for, uh, fame or likes or attention. Uh, we're here for an investigative process and to see what we can uncover and try to find something out. And I like that. Yeah. And you've been awesome at selecting, uh, like great authentic co, you know, um, co-stars, I guess, uh, you know, Eric was great and, and Kane was great in in Balsam. So, yeah. uh, your strategy's working, man. It's uh, it's good. We're yeah. we're digging it. And also, Tony, uh, we really, John and I both mentioned how we really liked seeing you in front of the camera this time. Yeah, talk about that, son, man. So, like your other contributions, you know, you probably primarily work behind the camera. So yeah. in this one, you're you're a big part of the story and and being you know in it. Was that just a byproduct of having a larger crew, or like, yeah? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, when I did Balsam, I had a, a a good sized crew with me, but it was still 10, 15 people and talking with Kane during that experience and seeing his enjoyment from ghost hunting. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I could ever do this. Cause you know, one, I've just never been in front of the camera like that. And I didn't know how it would play out, but I was like, the only way for me to really know that this is an authentic story is to experience it myself. Cause if I, find two people this day and age it's it's hard to find somebody um for lack of a better way of saying it that you can trust when it comes to that because when you tell somebody you're going to be on a movie you're going to be on tv a lot of times they want the likes they want the the attention and you lose the authenticity and my strategy is and i'm opening up front with everybody about this if I go out there and actually capture something that's amazing and create these good solid products, the fame, the the money, the financial things will probably come one day. So it's, it's like the success aspect of it is through the authenticity. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've been with people that, that do this a lot. And, you know, if you do it, if you're watching ghost hunts on YouTube, these creators are creating this for the YouTube algorithm. They're not creating this for the ghost hunt. And when you watch the TV shows, I mean, ghost hunters was just on premiered for like the 15th or 20th, whatever season on the discovery channel, the people that produce that show produce other reality TV shows. They don't specialize in paranormal. And when you have 64 people working on a show for one episode, there's a financial incentive that they must document some evidence to have that episode be successful. Or if they they don't, you know, with me, I'm doing this on my own dime. So if I go out there and don't catch anything, I don't have to go back to discovery or travel or anybody and say, Hey, I didn't catch anything. There's no pressure. I just, go and try to get the best that I can. And it's a thrill to be honest with you. I mean, as horror fans, we love the thrill and yep. Yep. there's, there's nothing like that being out there. 
because you see it on TV and you're like, this is not real. No way possible. Yeah. But then when you, you find yourself like you saw in the movie, you know, it's, it's a 1600 graveyard and I'm saying things and the wind's kicking up and the trees is kicking up right after I'm saying stuff. I'm like, we didn't have a budget for a wind machine. <laughs> you know, <this> is <laughs> yeah. Man. Do you feel like it's tough? Cause you're kind of competing against people that do that. Right. So it's like, you're almost competing against, I don't want to say cheaters, but you're competing against people who kind of stack the deck a little bit sometimes. Uh, yeah. So it's like, it, it is your fear sometimes that genuine might be boring, if that makes sense? No, because when you go out there and you capture these things saying this stuff, it, it's worth it. There's a, the, they are guys that out there that I would say are cheaters. Um, you know, and Discovery tries to monopolize the paranormal content because they're trying to shut everybody out. They're trying to be the number one provider. They claim that, the, you know, they're going to get into horror, but a lot of what you see is very cheesy. Um, you, you see in the film when stuff react, when I get stuff, I don't overreact and run around and act crazy. I try to get the information and try to get the evidence. And I think people will appreciate the authenticity of these things versus just overreaction for sure. And I love the way you pose everything kind of as a question, like uh, kind of leave it up to the viewer as well. Like, do you think this was a spirit, uh, you know, doing this act or do you think maybe it was just some dust particles? I I like the way you pose that question. Like I'm not stating a empirical fact that this happened, uh, but I'm kind of leaving it up to ourselves and you as the viewer to determine, you know, whether you think that was a paranormal uh, incident or not. Yeah. I think these things, I treat these more like a found footage horror movie mm-hmm. than I do, uh, a, a documentary. Yeah. Um, that way when something does happen, that's real crazy. You know, I think we got some of the craziest stuff that I've gotten yet, um, for a finished product on this. I do have another product that's in post-production. um, that I took a horror icon with me ghost hunting and it was a very stressful, crazy event. We got some crazy crap on tape. Nice. You can swear on here all you want, Tony. If if the shit (laughs) was crazy, the shit was crazy. (laughs) The shit was crazy. And and I'll go ahead just because you guys are hard ads. You guys are always so great to me. It's, um, it's balsam too. I did it with, with Felissa Rose. Oh my oh, god, dude. Dude. So cool. That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah, Can't wait to check thanks. it out. I, yeah, I took Felissa on her very first ghost hunt. And we also had she called me up and was like, Hey, one of my friends wants to come. Can he come? And I was like, Who's your friend? And we got Dave Sheridan. Oh dude. Um, from scary movies. Yeah. So Felissa and Dave, we went back to Balsam and That's awesome. Did, got that project in the canon on post-production with that nice when uh so this drops and you know we we mentioned this in the the introduction but uh so this drops here october 11th right on tuesday yep 2022 uh when's when's balsam 2 what what are you thinking uh timeline on that i have uh 2023 probably mid-year and then i have another project that i the whole time that I, from the beginning of me researching paranormal to 
you know, now I filmed a lot of stuff that everywhere I went, I'm kind of putting together a, the story behind that because uh, I ran some <clears throat> interesting experiments in haunted prisons, and oh, I got man. some really interesting things with that. And and like you said, I don't never, I'm never going to tell you this is the ghost of whoever that's in the room with me. I yeah. just go and. basically report and let people that are watching the movie decide what is actually they think it is because there's no facts to this until you cross over on the other side. Yeah. Man. Hopefully uh, for all of us that happens in like 60 years and on the same day peacefully and then like we can all experience it together and be like, Tony, you you were right the whole fucking time, man. You called it. (laughs) So... Um, man, that's super exciting. So I got to say, um, not only was the, uh, the filming style, uh, the cuts, it looks beautiful. Like the, the photography is beautiful. Um, but really fucking enjoyed having you on screen, man. So like, did, did you have a lot of fun doing that part of it? Or was that kind of weird for you? Um, cause the way the, the counterbalance of you uh, being not a seasoned paranormal investigator with, with Eric, who was like, there's banter at times, which is like, honestly, like straight mm-hmm. up funny uh, at moments. And it just was really cool kind of seeing you do that. So how, how was that for you? I felt like I was in like a found footage horror movie and I was going <laughs> to die before the end. I was like, holy crap. But I was like, it's my pass away. At least my family will have the money from the film. Hopefully they'll put it out. Um, but that's the way it felt. It, it was weird. And, you know, I have a different goal than a normal paranormal investigator. I want to make a great movie. And if that involves provoking and inviting and challenging what seems to be manifested in itself at some of the most haunted locations, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Like, Eric, at one point, it's in the film. He's like, I'm like, is that how you do it? And he's like, you're a grown man, and I don't agree with a lot of what you're doing. <laughs> we, we were talking about that scene uh, before before we started filming, and it was we were laughing about that. I actually had to rewind that part, and I was like, wait, did this just happen? <laughs> I love that that was kept in there, that it's, you know, it's a genuine thing. Yeah. Yeah, and then the camera girl quits on us at one point for a few minutes because she got – you got scared. I mean, and that, that's, that was, you know, they apologize. You know, she apologized. She's like, ah, I never put down the camera while we're filming before, but I had to this time. And I was like, no, nah, it, it makes for, it, it, it happened. I mean, it was authentic, you know, it yeah. makes, it's part of the movie. It's part of the story. Yeah. And it's cool too, that she was also receptive to like an interview follow up. Yeah. Yeah. Like mid, like, hey, what would you feel like? How was it? That that part was super interesting, and again, just demonstrates the authenticity to all of this. And I th- I think too, if horror fans, because that there's there's a little bit of crossover between horror and paranormal, and I feel like Discovery does a poor job at reaching out to horror fans and creating content that's relevant for horror fans. Yeah, but I think if any horror fan that enjoys a good found footage movie will like Haunted Connecticut. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. Totally. So what uh, 
how did you guys, you did two locations over the course of what, three days? And you shot primarily all in the evening, all at night? Oh, it was like I stayed up for pretty much two days straight. Yeah. Um, Where'd you guys sleep? Like when you did sleep? I did not sleep at Captain Grant's. I was fortunate enough. (laughs) I could not sleep at that place. There, the only people that had investigated that on TV before me was Jack Osborne and Portals to Hell. Really? And yeah. And on that episode of Portals to Hell, um, the owner talks about performing an exorcism on herself, huh. which I've never heard of anything like uh, that. I have before. never heard of that in my life. And it's stuff like even. The smartest found footage script writer couldn't come up with the the stuff that was going on at that location. But I just did not feel comfortable sleeping there. So I was fortunate enough that my wife had was still awake enough to to drive us to a hotel and we rented a hotel room because I was like, I'm not there's no way in heck I'm sleeping in this place. It just <laughs> not that I was it just creeped me out. That place just has a creep vibe. It's like there's something there. I can't pinpoint it. And I I, I don't want to go there to relax. It's, it's yeah. just... But the way the typical ghost hunting shows are produced is they spend a week at each location. Yeah. And I'm like this. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Who knows? You can't say action and the ghost is going to show up. Right, right. So yeah. I get to the location and I treat it like a military operation, like we're collecting intelligence. We're always filming because you never know when the ghosts are going to show up. And when we leave, we stop them. If the ghost shows up while we're there and filming, great. If they don't, on to the next place. Yeah. Yep. And I think when you stay too long in one location, you get into your head. You, I think people get into their own heads and they begin to create an environment that is haunted when it's not really, you know, but when you show up and equipment starts saying things, it's like, okay, it's either going to do what it's going to do or it's not. Yeah. So speaking of that, when we last spoke with you, so as a military guy, intelligence, um, operations, um, you seem to be a realist through all the conversations we've had with you. Uh, when we, when we, when we talked to you about a year ago, uh, I think we kind of pointedly asked like, Hey, are you a, a believer in uh, paranormal activity? Um, based off the experiences you've had to date. And I think at that time you were still kind of like, you know what? Yeah. I think there's some stuff going on here. I'm still a little bit on the fence. Uh, how has your perspective changed um, from these experiences? Is it, is it still that, or are you kind of full in now? Like, Nope. Paranormal activity exists i think that there's something there but but i don't know what and it's and it's intriguing i know i know that i'm not doing it because i'm filming what's going on but it's like what is doing it what is in here and that light like what turned that light on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like what happened and what I what I hope is everybody I want everybody to watch this and let me know what they think they hear and let me know what they think they see. I mean because I'm I could miss something and I try to when I'm there I I try to keep everything in perspective but I mean I believe that when we close our eyes 
and take that last breath that there's something that we're going into um, because we're mainly made of energy, I would think, you know, because when someone is, and I've seen this happen, unfortunately, in real life, when someone has like had a heart attack and is dying and their heart stops um, and you get the AED down, and you put that on their chest and you do the electronic shots, it can bring them back to life. So that same electrical type energy is how I kind of view what we are. And when we pass away, it's got to go to something or do something you hope. If not, then there's a lot of religious people in all different religions that are just going to be plain wrong. Um, And I think it's the most like, in even talking about it scientifically, like one of the most rudimentary concepts of physics is every action has an equal or opposite reaction, right? So I guess the idea is energy never stops moving. It always transfers to something else, right? Um, the vibrations of my voice are going through this microphone down that stand into the ground and rattling somewhere else, right? Like, and I guess it, continues to move on forever perhaps that's uh that's the same for us too but uh yeah dude super fascinating and i know that like these are kind of like real sort of personal questions and whatnot but that's that's real cool uh perspective so thanks for sharing that with us no problem i mean i think it's human it's normal for us as humans to say hey what happens after you die what's not normal is for somebody to hear a creak in a hallway and on a wooden floor when they walk on Discovery Channel and act like, oh, my God, it's ghosts, and run away. (laughs) I want to see the real deal, you know? I want to capture whatever that place has to show us. Yeah. All right, well, so speaking of real deal, you see, um, listeners, you cannot see, but, Tony, you can see. This is is the podcast space, Um, but over here is a large television, and that, that chair right there is where I work late into the evenings many nights editing podcast episodes or doing other stuff and um i'll oftentimes most of the time have a horror movie on down here uh such as haunted connecticut and sometimes those steps right there i run up like a mofo because uh i'm freaked out from what i just watched uh so haunted connecticut gave me some um some of that and i was scampering up those steps so uh talking about what's real and what's not me running up those steps like an idiot in my mid thirties was real. So I'm going to get you an obelisk for Christmas so that you can sit down here with it. Uh, dude, I just, you know, sometimes like it's like, I'd rather not know. Yeah. No, if that's the thing, if that thing starts chattering, I don't want it. In no, my house. I'm not <laughs> cement, filling it with cement. I'd be all about going to another location. <laughs> doing it. Have you turned it on in your house, Tony? No, I'm the same way as you. Yeah. Dude. I have, I went to the Clown Motel in Nevada. That was the first place I ever used Oculus. And I sat there and I turned it on and I said, does anything in here want to talk to me? And it said, no. And then it shut up. So I asked the owner, I said, hey, I said, "Um, there's a a clown painting in the room and you said you were going to remodel because he had just bought the place. He's like, yeah, I'm going to replace all the paintings. I was like, can I have that painting? And he's like, nah, I'll sell it to you. I was like, okay. So I gave him 80, I think he wanted 80 bucks for the painting. So I have this painting from the clown motel in my, in my room. 
And weird stuff started happening when we brought the painting in the house. So uh-huh. I put it in storage and then it stopped. And then I would hear things, but in your primary residence, I mean, you got to sleep in these places. So you don't want to. <laughs> your primary <laughs> residence? I love it. Is oh. that it? Oh, dude. No, Tony. That's I can just tell that's cursed by looking at it. Please, um, can you text me a picture of that when we wrap? I'll get ah! that. I'll I'll get that on our uh, our Patreon for sure. Yeah, and when people say ask me if I'm a horror fan, I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Go in my dining room. Leatherface is oh waiting on the table. Oh man, yeah, and th- and that's the thing. Um, we have that, and it's 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 like. When you're staying somewhere for fun, like I've stayed at West Virginia State Penitentiary, it's a haunted penitentiary, and one down here, uh, the Whiskey Prison. A lot of these guys that go ghost hunting, they go there and they ghost hunt for four hours, and then they go to sleep, and they just like a social event or a party. I go, I'm in there 12 hours filming everything. Yeah. And I don't sleep. And maybe it's a weird feeling that I have or just my personal superstition is I don't want to sleep at a location like that because what the heck kind of dreams am I going to have if something is yeah. in there like that? Yeah. Oh, I get it, man. I don't even know if I'd be able to sleep in fucking prison like that, you know, like a haunted prison. I'll be honest. Okay. So mm. my largest, Mm-mm. my probably my biggest fear in life um, is like, going to prison for the wrong reason <laughs> well going to prison in general yeah but especially for the wrong reason right like wrong or like wrongfully convicted yeah you mean? like yeah. wrongfully yeah wrongfully convicted going to prison because i would i would be terrible in prison i i like it would not be a good thing for me um so the concept of like the haunted prison uh really that skeeves me out probably harder than anything so oof. so tony are you yeah. got any prisons up- upcoming yeah, that's that's going to be in the, the the other project that I did. I've wrapped on two prisons, uh, running experiments because I wanted to see what was it like, and you know, can you collect similar evidence in two different locations? With you know, it, I don't. It's I know I've never been incarcerated myself, but I have a lot of people that I've known throughout life that have been incarcerated, and they say that it's a firm belief of. of amongst the inmates that if you die in prison, you'll stay there. Oh man. And I was kind of trying to test that theory and I don't want to get locked up either. I mean, if I do, I do, but I'm going to try not to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's all avoid that. (laughs) I think we already figured out we're we're all going to die like 60 years from now. I like Tony's yeah. point of view on this. Yeah. Like, if I do, I do, I guess. <laughs> but I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> definitely rather not. Yeah. Well, you got to um, come up to Ohio, man. We'll we'll be your set hands one day if you uh, find a place you'll where you want to hit the uh, Mansfield prison up. Yeah, that's supposed to be. Yeah. That's where Shawshank was filmed, right? Yeah. 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 So. yeah that, that would be a cool. I was just thinking that. I was like, we all need to go on a ghost hunt. I mean, it's, I don't do, I don't ghost hunt unless I'm filming. I know people that like every weekend they're going out to the haunted location. And to me, it's just too dangerous when you really do it. The risk versus reward is not there to do it recreationally. 
Yeah. Yeah. You have John and I walking up with a six pack of Milwaukee's best. <laughs> Let's do this shit. <laughs> Tony like smacking us with his ovulus. Like, you fucking pricks. Uh, now nah, you sober up real quick when that thing starts saying some relevant stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I actually had somebody I let I let you guys and a couple other people that I know watch Haunted Connecticut before we come out to kind of get some feedback. And um it was the funniest thing. The guy was like, Did y'all really have a wind machine in there? I was like, No, that was the wind. Yeah. <laughs> like a wind machine would be like twenty grand to bring one out. Like yeah. no. Let's talk about that uh scene a little bit. So uh did you did you have a an experience there that was um most prominently significant? Because I remember after you had sent this. Um, I had watched it, and that scene specifically was when I texted you about. It. I was like, "Man, that was that was very tense. So it was re- really well done." So was that the most uh, intimidating part of the whole experience? No, I mean, what it's saying, devil in the hallway up there. Yeah, yeah. That to me, like the reality kind of set in, and I was like, "Okay, I'm on camera. I can either be." I could either act one way and run down the hallway and say, oh, my God, I'm done with this. It says devil. But I'm trying to make a movie here. And then that why we came, you know, so I, I I tried to keep it together as best as I could. That was pretty, pretty good. The It's tricky when you're filming in the graveyard because you have the night vision and it's completely black. I can't see anything. And your eyes start, you know, you see stuff and I don't know if my eyes is playing tricks on me or is is that spirits? Is that a live person walking up? You know, I've been on one of these things before where we were in the woods and a a real person walks up and like, what the heck are y'all doing out here in the graveyard at two in the morning? You know, you're like, what the fuck are you doing here? We have cameras. (laughs) Yeah. Like we're looking for ghosts. You seen any? Oh yeah, I've seen them all the time. I'm like, <laughs> why are you out here? You know, by yourself. Yeah, by so. yourself. And the funeral home kind of creeped me out too. When it's when when you remember the movie in the movie where we went down into the, I don't want to quite give it away, but we were down in the basement of a fun, of that funeral home, and. I turned on the ovulus and the first word it said when I turned it on, that kind of freaked me out too. Yeah. Cause I was like, I've never heard it say that. Um, yep. And I'm not really freaked out because of, I mean, it was cool because it was a funeral home, but for the house to have so much history and to be honest, I mean, I don't know if a funeral home should, should or shouldn't be haunted because I've heard mixed theories. I've heard that maybe, your soul would stay with your body for a little while after you passed away. And then maybe it would cross over at a place like a funeral home. Maybe it would get stuck there. I don't know. I mean, who knows, but it, it made for an exhilarating experience. And then Eric's the whole time, like, Oh, it's just ghosts. We see this stuff. Oh, you know, I go <laughs> all the time. You know? Season like, vet. What was, yeah. what was the town's, reception um in the area's reception to you guys working on this was it did people even realize it was happening um i guess you had a, not. a tiny a tinier crew right so yeah yeah i treat it like a military operation like i said before is like go in and get out because the issue is is if local people know that you're there they might mess with you oh really yeah and i i mean 
I'd be game for a fight, but I ain't trying to fight, if that makes sense. <sighs> yeah, 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 I got you. <laughs> yeah, you don't want some creep, like, wearing a sheet in the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, trying to be a douche. Jamie, are you holding a six-pack in Milwaukee's best <laughs> with a sheet over your head in the, gra- in the graveyard? Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's... Especially like when we were filming Boston, I didn't want nobody to know Kane Hodder was up there. Then everybody come up there wanting oh, yeah. to get yeah. their Jason mask signed. For yeah, sure. No, that, that would be a recipe for disaster. Speaking of Balsam, what was your experience? How would you compare your experience with Balsam uh, to your Connecticut experience? Um, did you notice one being uh, maybe more haunted feeling than the other? or I, I think... Working with a smaller crew, you pick up on things that you don't pick up on when you have more people walking around. And that was one of the things that frustrated me when filming Balsam. And the only person I can blame is myself is, you know, you have two production assistants that are there to help you. But every time you're filming, somebody's walking, somebody's, you know, breaking wind, somebody's burping, you know. Opening a granola bar. Open a granola bar, so you just <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's different when you experience it firsthand in front of the camera versus when you're behind the camera and you know you're worried about things. And I've come to the conclusion of these, and I'm so thankful that you know the movie turned out the way it did, Haunted Connecticut, because when you put the investigation first and the filmmaking second. You always worry about, you know, am I going to have enough to have a film? Yep. Yeah. But at the same token, if you put the filmmaking first, then you know better than everybody else. It's just stage and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I also, I really liked the, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, like the ambiance, maybe just like the, the locales that you were at, they just seemed so historical. You know, uh, the whole they just aesthetic, looked like colonial and yeah, the um, whole aesthetic feel, of all yeah, of it. Yeah, I could feel the history, and then the graveyard, of course. Looking at those tombstones that have just been weathered as fuck, uh, the whole thing was just like I was drawn in on this one. Yeah, there was so much visual continuity. I feel um, to how you approach this, and and again, like you're you're like a legit, legit, legit filmmaker, man. Like, yeah, this is this really, really good stuff. It it looks so pretty, and it. It plays so pretty, and I, you know, I mentioned um, the photography and the the continuity. It's just, it's great. Yeah, it was a shot you did of, I think it was outside of Captain Grant's. Uh, Like, you're standing out, you can see it's behind a tree, and you have the leaves in the uh, forefront or whatever. I'm not very good at uh, the The film film terms, but uh, maybe in the forefront, and then the, you know, Captain Grant's in the back, and it just looked fucking great. I appreciate that. It's just... I'm self-taught when it comes to filmmaking. I'm one of these type of people that believes if you want to do something, everybody has the opportunity to learn and do it. I've made a lot of crappy, I've shot a lot of crappy shots of my life learning. But I mean, I think that if people have a dream that they want to accomplish something, just grab a camera and go. I mean, you think most anything shoots in 4K this day and age. And it's not like the... I'm old, but I'm not too, too old. But back in the day, you used to have to shoot everything on tape and then transfer it over. And now it's, it's gotten easier. And then when you, when you're shooting in 4k, you can resize your shot in case the shot's off. 
would and it doesn't affect the quality so that 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 makes things easier um i just would encourage anybody that's listening that if they want to make a horror movie make it yeah yeah that's that's good advice man so it comes out tuesday uh where can people find it um what's the distribution look like yeah i'm that's one of the things i learned myself too as a filmmaker is how to be the distributor too yeah uh so i have my own distribution company it's not self-distribution it's actual uh distribution company it's going to be on voodoo uh all the vod's the video on demand sites so like voodoo is a very prominent site that i like to refer people to and also i think it's going to be on like uh dish streaming uh it's going to be on amazon um, for VOD, I, it's going to be very affordably priced, not like these Hollywood movies coming out at $19.99, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, all, my, all the major streaming services, I have it. And then it's, of course, on DVD. And what I've learned is people don't, you know, it's harder to sell DVDs this day and age. So I put some really good stuff in the uh, bonus features. Um, which the one, the, the bonus features on this one has me getting very, very scared in the, uh, <laughs> attic of that funeral home. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll give away some $5 Amazon gift cards or something to, to incentivize some watches. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a, a giveaway. That'll be fun. All right. Perfect. So Tony, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming back, man. We can't wait to have you back again. Um, for balsam too, maybe uh, we'll we'll bring you back on. Maybe uh, Miss Phyllis Rose can join you, and we'll, we'll get you back on, man. And we can't wait to get uh, get the takes of all of our listeners on what they thought of the film. Yeah, Tony, keep up the great work, man. Uh, we're proud of you, and uh, we can't wait to see uh, more work in the future, bud. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on, and thank everybody for listening.